Good morning. It's February 12th, 2020, the day after the New Hampshire primary, which means that it's time for another edition of the Morning After podcast. I'm your host, Anya Pierre. And I'm Aiden Rude. And it's been a pretty interesting night in New Hampshire. Votes are still coming in slowly. Currently, the projected winner by the Associated Press, Bernie Sanders, holds about a 3% lead over Pete Buttigieg, who is the former mayor of South Bend, Indiana. And Amy Klobuchar, the Minnesota senator, is in third place with about 20% of the vote. Initial reactions? Well, Klobmentum is real. I texted you last night saying that I would say Klobmentum at least once on this podcast, so I'm holding true to that promise. I intend to say it several more times, so don't worry to all of our Klobmentum fans. Yeah, so Amy Klobuchar outperforming, outperforming her polls by about double. Not particularly unexpected with her rising trend in the polls, but she's still strong finish in third place. Um, she could compete with Pete Buttigieg now for to be the top moderate candidate to take on Bernie Sanders, who now is looking like the most likely nominee and at this very early stage in the primary. Yeah, and Bernie Sanders has won the popular vote in each of the first two contests. Out of New Hampshire, Pete Buttigieg <laughs> and Bernie Sanders each have nine, Amy Klobuchar with six. So yes. that is how the delegates fall. And I think a big surprise here is that neither Elizabeth Warren, um, senator from Massachusetts, or former Vice President Joe Biden got any delegates in right. New Hampshire. Right, they, they got 9% for Warren, 8% for Biden. You need to hit 15% to get over the threshold to get any delegates. And, you know, Warren's polls have not been going particularly well as of late. But still, it's her neighboring state. She's from Massachusetts, traditionally Massachusetts, Vermont, Rhode Island, etc. Those candidates from those states do well in New Hampshire. The voters are there already know them better, and often that's a boost to their campaigns. So that's a disappointing finish for her. And then, of course, the former Vice President Joe Biden, still the front runner in a lot of national polls, although most recent polls showing Bernie Sanders starting to edge him out for a small national lead. But 9%, or sorry, 8%, um, not the finish you would expect from the former Vice President of the United States and someone who was the presumptive front runner going into this race. Yeah, I think that we can at this point start saying that presumptive nominees may work out. Of course, Joe Biden has South Carolina, where he still currently has a 14-point lead over the next highest candidate, who surprisingly is Tom Steyer, but we'll get to that (laughs) on um, the 1st of March, which is the day after the South South Carolina primary. Um, Yeah, we've still got Nevada to go, but Nevada is not an area, I don't think, where the vice president is thinking he will do well. Yeah. A big story, though, that I think bodes very poorly for Joe Biden is that among non-white voters in New Hampshire, Bernie Sanders cleaned house. Yeah, and that's where Biden is staking his claim. Biden's not just particular in the state of South Carolina. He's popular there because he does well among black voters, and there's a lot more black voters in South Carolina than the very white states that go first, Iowa and New Hampshire. And so you, you see Biden saying that he'll do well once we have a more diverse group of people voting, but he's not doing well right now among more diverse voters, and that's not a good sign. The same thing with Warren. She's always been the leader among college-educated white women, um, or college-educated women, I think, but 
white women especially, I think. And she did not do particularly well last night in that category with Amy Klobuchar winning that. So we've got two candidates, two strong candidates going into this, Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren, not only underperforming overall, but underperforming in their the uh, categories they expected to do the best. And that's, I think, the vacuum into which you have a Pete Buttigieg and an Amy Klobuchar climbing the ranks. And Tom Steyer will start to become a factor in this race. Michael Bloomberg, once you get to Nevada and Super Tuesday, his money, of course, is the major elephant in the room for a lot of Democratic candidates. He's really spending, although his recent comments might hurt him. If we have time, we'll get to that. But I think that when you have a Super Tuesday where Biden is expecting to win the South on the backs of diverse voters, and Sanders has been doing very well creating this multiracial correlation, it's possible that Sanders could wrap up the nomination on Super Tuesday. Right, I think that's very possible. One thing, though, I think to take a look at is some of the exit poll results from CNN last night were very interesting. We saw, um, I mean, for one, we saw that 48% of the voters said that the most recent debate was an important factor in their decision, which, I mean, I'm shocked these debates have mattered almost zero up to this point. And now it looks like Amy Klobuchar got a good boost from that. Um, So there's lots of interesting results from those polls. But one big thing is that lots of voters decided late. There were a ton of people who decided, you know, within a week of voting, some people within days of voting. And um, then you saw that Bernie Sanders, while he won the overall race, he didn't do so well among people who decided late. He mostly his support had been locked in. And that's kind of a narrative around Bernie Sanders, where he's some some call him a factional candidate, where he's got this group of 20, 30 percent of people who are dedicated, strong supporters of Sanders. They're not going to change, most likely, and they're going to support him all the way through. But then bringing in other people has been at times difficult. And so that could be the factor that lets Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, or someone else, you know, make inroads and end up with the nomination. I think that there are two things with that. New Hampshire is notorious for late deciders. It's true. New Hampshire is a state that prides itself on, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do until I go into the ballot box. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's necessarily represented of national sentiment where there does tend to be more locked-in support for any given candidate That said, the ability to push moderates and especially independents to participate in the process is going to be a key factor. And for Sanders, there is some good news, although he did not get as strong of a finish as he'd hoped, though he did get the win. There is a very good indicator. Um, Turnout was up almost to 2008 levels in New Hampshire. I think it might have even exceeded that. Mm -hmm. That is a big argument for the Sanders campaign, that he can get new voters out. However, I'm not entirely sure if the turnout was up among new voters. I saw an entrance poll that said about 12% mm-hmm. were, new, were new primary voters. Sanders would probably prefer that number around 30 to 40%. Right, yeah. I think one other angle to look at in Sanders' kind of strive to wrap up the nomination early, or, you know, at least at some point, is that Sanders seems to have kind of solidified his lane. Warren's down to 9%. There's really no super progressive candidates left with a strong standing other than Sanders. Whereas in the moderate lane, you have Klobuchar at 20%. You have Buttigieg at, what, 25 or so percent. You have Biden still hanging on, you know, South Carolina. He probably will do well. You've got Bloomberg coming in at 15% in some national polls. So you've got a very crowded moderate lane. Uh, You know, the, the sanctity of the lanes idea is debatable, but 
you could have a situation where Sanders goes in and he's racking up all the progressive votes and you don't have a clear moderate leader emerge until after Super Tuesday, at which point 60% of the delegates have been allocated and it may be hard for someone on the moderate side to catch up from behind as they've been splitting the vote with all these other moderate candidates and that could help Sanders. Yeah, and keep in mind that Tom Steyer can infiltrate that progressive lane. That's true especially with the amount of money that he has available to him. It'll be very interesting to see the idea of a candidate on the progressive side who wants to dismantle the billionaire class and a billionaire who wants to dismantle the billionaire class. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. The other thing that could possibly happen that would be interesting to see is a brokered convention, in which case you don't know what's going to happen because if... You have a brokered convention and all the progressive delegates on the second ballot go to, say, a Sanders and all of the moderates go to, say, a Buttigieg or a Klobuchar or even a Biden. Or Bloomberg. <laughs> or Bloomberg. <laughs> That's kind of his angle here. Um, um, they could have the moves like Bloomberg. <laughs> yeah. But it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. And I know that Democrats are probably going to want to avoid a brokered convention, uh, be- especially because they're going to want as strong of a post-convention balance going into the general, considering the Republican National Convention is after right. the Democratic National Convention yeah. this year, and Trump is clearly going to be appointed the nominee, Absolutely. although he did lose 10% of voters in New Hampshire. To Bill Weld. Yeah, who has no airtime and resources. That's a story in and of itself, but we're going to stick on the Democratic side for right now, because... Yeah. Let's face it, Donald Trump is going to win the Republican nomination, right. and if not, I will eat a slug on this. Yes. And um, so, speaking of, um, you know, a contested convention, the main way you end up with no contested convention is candidates dropping out before we get to the convention, and we did have uh, three dropouts now since... Three? Yes, Deval Patrick this oh, Deval- morning. He finally dropped out! Yeah, finally, after running for all of a month or two. Um, yeah, so we had Deval Patrick, who former governor of Massachusetts entered in like November so way too late basically never had any votes he got like he got like a thousand votes in New Hampshire so props to him for somehow managing that Michael Bennett who is a senator from Colorado he's been in it from the beginning he was in the first and second debate I believe and he really never caught on people Mm -hmm. questioning why he was still even running Uh, and then Andrew Yang um, who's a bit more notable than the other two. Yes, um, and I'm going to pause to give Aiden a conciliatory hug. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am, you know, a, a, as some of you may know, a strong Yang supporter, was a strong Yang supporter. Andrew Yang dropping out. And, I mean, he was, he and Pete Buttigieg are two kind of incredible stories of this this process. Pete Buttigieg, obviously, more successful, but he did have a political standing. I mean, so Pete Buttigieg, you know, mayor of a s- relatively small city. He did run for the DNC chair, which maybe that would have been a good thing if we didn't have Tom Perez as the DNC chair. Um, but well, Not that his main opponent, whose name I think is Elijah something, would have been better after true. his allegations of sexual assault came out. So right. it's yeah. really a catch-22. The Democrats are screwed. Speaking of which, Iowa. Yeah, it's So true. it did come out. Uh, Pete Buttigieg narrowly won delegates in Iowa. Bernie Sanders has the popular vote, so both candidates declaring victory, both contingents of candidates declaring victory. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens over the next few months. 
the dynamic, especially between Pete Buttigieg and Bernie Sanders, who had pretty conciliatory remarks last night mm-hmm. toward other candidates in their field, sort of pushing that vote blue no matter who. It'll be interesting. Um, yes, it will. And so at the 13-minute mark, we're at the point where I don't think we should subject our listeners to more, <laughs> and I have to get to lab. So, Aiden, thank you for being on yes. again. Yep, thank you. And we shall talk soon. Yep, Nevada. Nevada. <laughs>